spidey senses tingling. Feel something, got my radars up. Something going on. Feel funny, can't tell me nothing different My nose twitching Intuition setting in like Steve Vision I still close my eyes I still see visions Welcome to the Canon and Watt Podcast Thank you for tuning in for the 13th episode I'm Canon, joined as always by my right hand man Brother from another land, partner, crime What's going on? <laughs> you don't need to do all that uh, Welcome back, you know All-Star break is over, we finally back in the second half of the season so uh got some things to talk about indeed man we had a trade deadline that was a little bit more busy than we initially thought and we're going to break it down today see what happened with teams we thought you know kind of came off for the robbery yeah you, you said that it was more busier than we thought now that's like i guess the trade the, the deadline always just does something it's just it's crazy surprises you know one of the things that we said on our you know trade deadline special was that you know the rockets were kind of asking for everything and that we we put our trust in maury to pull something off and he did you know he pulled off a four-team deal that was insane i mean the atlanta hawks got clint capella in the a denver received kieta bates diop Gerald Green, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonleh, and Houston's 2021st round pick. Houston got Jordan Bell, Robert Covington, which was the gem of the deal. Golden State's 2024 second round pick via Atlanta. And Minnesota received Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, which actually (laughs) started the starting lineup. Evan Turner, Jarrett Vanderbilt, and Brooklyn's 2021st round pick. Lottery protected via Atlanta. So, what do you think about the Hawks deal bringing in Clint Capella? Well, first, before before I get to the Hawks, I just want to say, I guess the biggest thing about this deal that struck to me, and I guess the deadline, is that yeah. Houston Houston has gone like we everybody was kind of unsure, but Houston's kind of gone all in on the small ball strategy. So, like they. They didn't get, pick, get any centers back. They got all wings, and, and we've kind of seen them play a couple games since this trade happened. And, you know, it's, 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 it's one of the most interesting things in the league right now, just their strategy. And you just wonder how far – I think everybody's just waiting to see how they look in the playoffs, really. Indeed. Um, but to go back to Atlanta, I think Atlanta – I think this is a very, very good deal for Atlanta – you know, they were obviously linked to uh, Drummond and also Clint Capella. And I think I think Clint Capella was a better fit for them for multiple reasons. Uh, he's on a better contract. Uh, he kind of just fits their team better as, like, you know, Drummond likes to, you know, call for the ball for some post-ups here and there. He tries to think of himself as somebody that can, you know, be some, somewhat of a go-to guy on offense, whereas mm-hmm. Clint Capella is a lot more low-maintenance. And, you know, he just likes to set screens, roll to the rim, make some cuts to the basket. I think he'll fit in very well with Atlanta's young core. And like I said, he has a better contract. I think he has, I don't know, maybe three years left or something like that. So mm-hmm. he'll be there to help them, to help the core grow. And they didn't have to sacrifice any of their – I thought they might have had to sacrifice, you know, one of their, you know, their solid young wings like a Kevin Herter. 
or Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter that they didn't have to sacrifice any of those guys. So I think this was just this was all around a very good, very good uh, trade for Atlanta. I mean, it was a home run for Atlanta. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. You know, it's um, it's definitely one of the most I'm gonna say commercialized trades. Uh, it's definitely the trade. What do you mean that by that? <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the trade that got the most attention. Okay. Okay. You know, from the trade deadline, and you know, definitely. Trey Young has never had a center of Clay Capella's ability to be a, a you know a, a diver to the basket, and then also Clay Capella's defense is a big deal for Atlanta to say the least. I mean, John John Collins definitely went a long way to solidify their front court before Capella was added to the mix, but I think the front court of Capella and John Collins is very strong. And I think that Atlanta has definitely a a great second half ahead of them. You know, I think Trey Young is definitely a great point guard to start with. Clint Capella is a, a solid center. And I'm interested to see what John Collins does with this new flexibility at hand. I think that he, you know, especially with the, the creativity that Atlanta has, uh, in terms of how they deploy their players, I think that we can actually see John Collins go into another realm in terms of his game. I think yeah. that he he's given the ability to really expand what he does on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, you know, defense, you know, of course, is solidified. Now they have a defensive captain, captain with Clint Capella. And, you know, I think it's a great move for them. I thought that that was huge for Atlanta. I think one of the most underrated parts of this trade is that Denver gave out some of their pieces with Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez to to Minnesota. And of course, Minnesota wants to compete. I think that Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez were kind of those stash players on Denver's roster that could have been starters on other teams in the league. And Minnesota was probably the best. Uh, I don't know about all that. I really think so. I, I mean, not in a sense of not of a sense of stars, but in a sense of great role players. They're, to support, yeah. support they're bench guys. No, I think that they are. I feel like they're both talented in in the sense of being able to support a starting cast and support stars. And you know, definitely Minnesota getting D'Angelo Russell. Of course, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But I feel that you know, with their their floor spacing, both being able to shoot threes, you know, both being able to. I mean, they're not the greatest defenders, but both being able to defend at you know a decent level. I think that Minnesota has something to start with. But you know, mm-hmm. this 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 deal is definitely focused towards. Atlanta. And, and definitely, hold on, go, going back to Minnesota, don't forget uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's kind of like a, a question mark as a prospect, but he did come in and ball out the first game. But also, I think I think the real, I think the biggest asset that the that Minnesota got in that trade was that 2020 first round pick. I think that's what they were really targeting. And sure. that, that will probably convey this year. Uh, Brooklyn should they should make, uh, make the playoffs, you know, even though as we've just learned that Kyrie probably missed the rest of the season with his shoulder injury, but mm-hmm. I think the team is still good enough to make the playoffs in the East. And so I, th- I think that was the biggest asset that Minnesota got. 
and 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 if one of those players that they got, you know, blossoms into you know something more, then that's just you know, that's just gravy. I mean, Malik Beasley kind of snapped out his first game, and while her and I Gomez has been solid, so I just feel like in terms of you know what Minnesota wants to build out, adding D'Lo, you know. Obviously, they're going to run a lot of pick and roll with Cat and D'Lo, and that's a very strong core to the offense. I feel like Minnesota adding Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez, I don't want that to go underrated. Like, those are pretty much really good pieces. I don't want to say perfect pieces, but really good pieces to add to that that core. I I I don't think it moves the needle either way, in my opinion. I disagree. I think that it does. You know, I, I don't think that Minnesota necessarily turns the quarter and makes the playoffs this year, but I think they have the right core in place, at least to build on. I mean, even if, you know, even if your your sentiment is correct in which Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez are bench players and they bring in the right prospects to be starters, it's still a great, you know, a great step for their team. But at the same time, you talk about the players they bring in. But they also gave up Rocco, who's probably probably their second most valuable player on Minnesota's on a, on the Timberwolves. And you give him up, he's on a Rocco, don't you think that Rocco is more valuable to the Houston Rockets at this point in time? I mean, yeah, but at the same time, if we're just talking about the Timberwolves, he's probably he's probably the probably probably their second best player. He's on a good contract, good, relatively uh, cheap contract. For a few more, few more years, and you kind of give them up for. I mean, you, you do get the first round pick, but you give them up for guys that I don't think are going to be as good as him. And but overall, I mean, we'll talk about it as we get to the other trades. But overall, I think the overall goal they accomplished that. But just off of this trade alone, I don't think it was necessarily you know a win for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think it is. I mean, obviously, time is going to tell. You know, I do have a high belief in both Malik Beasley and Juan Hernan Gomez. Obviously, I took a shot and said Malik Beasley was a candidate for the sixth man of the year, which was definitely out of pocket. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm glad I think, you acknowledge that. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. But I think one of the, the overshadowed teams in this trade is Denver. Yeah, I was just about you know, to say They that. didn't get... You know, obviously they moved Shabazz Napier to the Wizards, um, and they didn't get you know any huge prospects, but they still solidified their their prospects and their core. I think, you know, I'm not I don't sure. Know if you need to really on that, but go ahead. I'm not sure. You know, <laughs> Noah Vonley. I'm not sure if he cracks the rotation and he becomes somebody that they depend on at all. No, I do like Noah Vonley though, because. I do like him as well. Last year, he had a he had a pretty strong. He showed some stuff last year. Uh, I think when he was with the Knicks, and I think he could be, you know, a good rotation player, especially as you know Paul Millsap phases out. I think that's that could be a good piece for them. Right. And you know, I just feel like Denver coming into this deal, getting Houston's twenty twenty first round pick. I just feel like it was a solid move for Denver. I mean, they weren't doing anything with the the players that they gave up in this deal. And they they got something out of it, and I just feel exactly. like they gave up. They basically gave up spare parts for a first round pick and some more spare parts who could possibly you know do the same thing that the players they sent out were doing. So 
That that yeah. was a. Uh, I mean, they 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 really did good in that trade as well. Just getting involved and getting something out of it. For sure. You know, what do you think about? I mean, I know you mentioned the small ball and Houston going all in with that. What do you think about their addition of Robert Covington? And do you think that that changes their outlook as far as making the Western Conference Finals and you know their their competition in the playoffs? Well, well, uh, Rocco, he definitely adds a lot to the team. Just you know, obviously he's another shooter, which you know they always love shooters down in Houston, and he's probably their best, best defender. <laughs> well, outside PJ Tucker is. A I great mean, PJ Tucker is he's better at guarding bigs, but I think overall Robert Covington is probably the best defender now. So he definitely adds a lot uh, to their to their team and. I don't know. This is weird, man. I, I just I just don't see the small ball, like, this extreme level of small ball working in the playoffs. Like, I think it'll work okay during the regular season. I mean, we saw they got a win against the Lakers uh, right after the trade happened. But I don't know. Like, people try to compare it to Golden State. You know, they ran that death lineup or whatever. But people forget that they ran that death lineup for, like, certain key situations in the game, like the last – Moments if they didn't do that lineup all game, and I think there's a reason for that. You need you need a little bit more balance to your roster, uh, but at the same time, when you have, I think the positive aspect of it is now that they're completely small ball. Like the lane is like you've you've seen like Westbrook has been playing a lot uh, a lot a lot better lately, and I think mm-hmm. that's not a coincidence because you know the lane is just opened up all the time because everybody on the floor. Uh, can shoot or will shoot the rock from three. Um, and then, you have, obviously, you have Harden there as well. So, you know, it's, it's really going to, I guess, depend on how far those two can take them. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just can't see it. I just can't see it succeeding in the playoffs. But it's an in- interesting experiment for sure. No, I agree for sure. I mean, Mike D'Antoni made comments about, you know, these teams having to score at the same pace, the same pace that, the Houston Rockets are scoring. And I definitely feel like the addition of Robert Covington and the space that's on the floor, like the Rockets can definitely score at a high pace, but it's just like, man, like the front court is just devoid of any playable players in the playoffs. Like when you get down to it, you have guys like, you know, I'm just going to mention two. You have Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. P.J. Tucker, albeit, like, P.J. Tucker's a, a very solid defender. He's very stout, but you're not stopping those guys. Like, I, I just – it's just not going to happen. So, you know, I, I just feel that Houston – Houston's doing something new. Like you said, you use the word experiment. It's definitely an experiment. Houston's doing something new. They're trying something out. But I'm not a fan. I don't think that it's going to pan out. And I feel that – you know, we're, we're definitely going to see some Tyson Chandler, some Isaiah Hartenstein in the playoffs, and they're just going to get killed. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't think they will use them except in special situations. But, exactly. But it's like, uh, you know, if you get into a matchup where, you know, one of these players, one of these front court players in the West are just destroying you and you feel like you need to switch it up at the last minute, you don't have anybody there. There's no one there. Yeah, and you and wonder. I guess I guess Houston might be relying on Tristan Thompson getting you know getting Tristan Thompson in the buyout market. I don't think a huge addition, but 
I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it's it's great to rely on that. And I guess I have two points. So as far as as far as the uh, Tristan Thompson thing, I don't think that's going to happen either because I think the reports came out that they're I think they're signing Damari Carroll and they're signing Jeff Green to a ten day first. I guess to see they said to see how he fits with the team or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I think the plan is to to sign Damari Carroll and uh, Jeff Green, you more know, wings. for the rest of the season. Yeah, more wings. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Green has a little, little bit more size to him, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they're going to get, like, a true big, you know, other than Tyson Chandler or Hartenstein. And then also, you know, Houston in the playoffs, they always seem to have, like, games, at least, like, one or two games where, you know, obviously they, they depend a lot on three-point shooting. And they always have at least like one or two games in the playoffs where like their shot does not does not fall at all. Like it set the record for most missed threes in a row or something in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. there's just going to be shots or nights where your shot doesn't fall. And like it's going to be interesting to see like how can they, how well can they finish around the basket to offset that? If, you know, everybody yeah. on their team is not. A big man, so I don't know. And they better it's hard. It's harder to, to 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 do the lobs that they did to Clint Capella and stuff like that. So they better hope they do not match up with the Lakers. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Like the Lakers have so much size. Like they're they better hope that they don't match up with them. But yeah, I think that covers everything on that trade. Yeah. So I mean, the second trade, of course. You know, I said that this trade was likely to happen. I believed in it for both sides. I know that you disagreed, and I'm sure you still do. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hear what you think about it. You know, Golden State and Minnesota swapped Andrew Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Golden State got Andrew Wiggins, uh, 2021 first-round pick, top three protected in the 2021 second-round pick. And that 2021 first-round pick, if it doesn't convey this year, it turns into an unprotected pick next year. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves got uh, Jacob Evans, D'Angelo Russell. It turns out protected in 2022. That's the small yes, yes, yes. Jacob Evans, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and Amari uh, Spellman. So what do you think about that trade uh, since it happened? Do you still feel that that swap was bad for the Warriors? Um, you know, I, I've warmed up to it a little bit uh, for two reasons. I think if Andrew Wiggins, if any team can help turn him around, it probably is the Warriors. Um, especially like he's in a a fourth, pretty much a fourth option, third option maybe. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. a third option actually. But you know, once they get their team healthy and around him, you know, they could uh, definitely make his you know just to make it easier for him and help him out to to be a better player. Number two, they also got. I really like that first round pick they got. I didn't mm-hmm. think they were going to get that, and it's only top three protected. And I feel very strongly that Minnesota will probably be a lottery team in 2021, the 2021 mm-hmm. offseason. So I think I think that was just like that, that was a great that, I think that was a really good get for Golden State, just getting that 2021 first round pick and also the second round pick, which could potentially be a high second rounder. And, you know, they have options. Like if if even if like Wiggins starts playing better, if he starts to show something, they could potentially package that that first round pick. With uh with Andrew Wiggins and a and a trade, so mm-hmm. and the 2021 off season is when a lot of free agents become available, 
um, def- including Giannis and, you know, some other guys. So they could definitely, you know, kind of rebuild Andrew Wiggins' trade value and possibly move him out for another superstar if they want to or another all-star. So I've kind of I've warmed up to it. I've kind of warmed up to it. So I, I think it was – it probably was a win-win for both sides. And then on the other side, you know, the Timberwolves get D'Angelo Russell, which, I mean, it's really about making Cat happy at this point. You know, Cat had came out with some comments about how he, how he was frustrated with losing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you really got – as a franchise, you got to do what you can to, you know, make the superstar of your team happy, make your franchise player happy. So – D'Lo is obviously one of Cat's best friends in the league, and <laughs> you saw that video of him showing up to the airport when D'Lo landed with a, with a, with a, with a jersey. He was so Joe. He showed up with a jersey and a coat like he was so Joe, bro. He was so happy. He was so happy to have D'Lo there. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with you. I feel like if there was any place for Andrew Wiggins to turn his career around and get better, it would be the Golden State Warriors. I mean, that type of space to have Clay and Steph on your team kind of gives Andrew Wiggins free reign to, you know, just feast. Just feast on all of those easy buckets, all of those cuts, all of those fast break buckets. I mean, you know, he's obviously an athlete. We've, we've already known that. And you know, he doesn't have to, you know, like you, I think you, you said this on a different podcast of how they kind of put the ball into Andrew Wiggins' hands at the end of games. He doesn't have to take that responsibility now. He has other people to defer to, you know, and he just, he can kind of find himself in Golden State. I think that's a great move for him. In terms of the Minnesota Timberwolves, I do think that is a great move for them in terms of friendship with D'Angelo Russell and and Carl Anthony Towns. But at the same time, I just don't know what their ceiling is, man. Like, I I really feel like Minnesota is still kind of on that treadmill. They're they're really – they're on the the gerbil – I'm sorry, the hamster wheel. They're they're on the (laughs) hamster wheel. It's, it's, you know – how much does D'Angelo Russell really move the needle here? You know, especially in the West. Like, there are so many good teams. I'm just not sure how. Like, grant, granted, Cat is probably one of the most talented big men in the league. You know, the pick and roll that is going to be between D'Angelo Russell and Cat is going to be dangerous. But how far can that really take them? You know, it's yeah. – I mean, I think – I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't – you know, D'Lo, D'Lo and Cat as your two cornerstones. Like, they're both – well, Cat's very good on offense. D'Angelo's, like, average. But they both really don't play a lot of defense. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I guess the roster's a little bit more balanced. Like, they never – they were struggling to find a point guard for a long time. They finally have a point guard. I think, you know, obviously they picked up – we talked about Malik Beasley, Juan Hernan Gomez, and um, Jared Vanderbilt, who could turn out to be good role players. I think – I mean, it, it would have to go – it would have to break extremely right. But there's a I, – I feel like they have a better path forward now than they did before, even if it's just by a little bit, which, you know, I guess that counts for something. And um, mm-hmm. they definitely, you know, see what they can do with, in the draft this year. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I won't call it – I can't call it a home run, but yeah, it's, it's better I mean, than, than uh, where they were. 
I definitely feel like it was the move that they had to make, though. You yeah, know, they it, had to make it. Definitely yeah. something that they had to do. And I'm glad that they pulled it off. It's just, where do you go from here? And now I want to see it. You know, I, that that's really where where I'm at. Like, I really want to see it come together, and I really want to see how they how they how they put these pieces together. You know, they they have players in place that are happy being there somehow <laughs> in Minnesota. But, um, you know, it's really just, you know, where did they go from here? And, you know, Golden State, man, Golden State is still just like a, a sleeping giant, man. Like, they, like adding Andrew Wiggins, like I, I, I just feel like that's going to be one of the underrated underrated additions in a few years. I just have so much faith in Golden State going from what they've shown us over the previous years and having Stephen Clay in place, Draymond in place is kind of like that that X factor. Andrew Wiggins there now, that athleticism that, you know, they've really not had on the team ever with those those players that are in place now. And then that 2020 first round pick that you mentioned, being able to add another prospect in, you know, one of the the heralded drafts in 2021. Yeah, this, I mean, this is how I basically put it in, in simple terms is like not that long ago, they basically went 73. They won 73 games with pretty much the same team except Harrison Barnes was there instead of Andrew Wiggins. And mm-hmm. as much as much uh, criticism as Wiggins get, he's better, he's better than Harrison Barnes. So, you know, they're obviously – they're going to be very good when, when, they, when the whole team's healthy. And obviously when they went 73, they had Andre Iguodala, the Hall of Fame of the GOAT. But, you know, they've, they, they've added uh, some other – or they've improved in other areas of their roster. And they're going to have a high draft pick this year. They'll probably have – that they'll have that Minnesota pick next year, so yeah, they'll they'll be they they won't be down for long. Indeed, indeed, and you know, tailing off the of GSW, uh, you know, one of the one of the integral pieces to the Golden State Warriors run, Andre Iguodala finally got traded from Memphis, and he went to Miami, which I thought was huge for Miami. I mean. They traded uh, Memphis. They traded, uh, you know, Gorgie Dang, Deion Waiters, Justin Winslow. Miami got Jay Crowder, Andre Gadala, and Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill doesn't really matter much. <laughs> and then the Timberwolves got James Johnson. So, overall, in this deal, I mean, you can say that Minnesota, um, you know, I'm sorry, Memphis did well. You know, they got a few pieces. But Miami literally <laughs> just they just turned up, man. Like they I got think, Iggy, they got uh, Iggy. Uh, Crowder's a nice piece. Miami really solidified their they really solidified their I, run here. I, I think it was a win win for both sides. Like, I think both teams did really well. Uh I'm I'm not including Minnesota because that was just a kind of like a like a ancillary part to the trade, but I think that, I mean, obviously for Miami, you get Andre Godala, who, you know, as a playmaker, a top-level defender, who definitely can add a, uh, just a veteran presence, can add a lot to that team as they trying to push for a title, a title run. But I think for Memphis, like, they, they were already, they're already in the playoff picture. They're 500 without 
Iguodala even playing. So, I mean, honestly, anything they got for him was just going to be, you know, it was going to be a plus. So, and then you get, I think Justice, I still think Justice Winslow is like a very good young prospect. He's been struggling. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just saying he's a huge piece for them. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a, he's still he's still a very good young prospect, and he's on a uh, a good contract for for a number of years, and he can you know help that team grow. And you know he he struggled with injuries this year, but last year you kind of see you kind of saw what he could be capable of, and just mm-hmm. adding him, I think, just makes them even better. I think that was a really good pickup for them. Uh, Gorgie you know, Dang, he's like kind thank of. You. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, Gorgie Jang is kind of like one of the forgotten guys in this trade, but Gorgie Jang is – he's a really solid front court player. Like, he's he, he's been kind of underrated in Minnesota, but he really does his job at a high level. Yeah, he kind of he kind of got stuck by Cat – or stuck behind Cat up there in uh, Minnesota. And, like, now, you know, down here, probably eventually get a chance to, you know, show a little bit more of what he can do. I think those are really, like, two good pickups for them. Uh, Dion Waiters, they waived Dion Waiters, so they won't have him. But just having those, just getting those two guys, I think was a really good, a pretty good return for somebody who hasn't even like. I don't think Iguodala's even been to Memphis all year, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, yeah. you know, Jay Crowder has kind of shown out in Miami. His first two to three games, I want to say it was two games, but he's played really well. You know, I I, I think that Eric Spolstra can kind of do exactly what Brad Stevens did for Jay Crowder and accentuating his best abilities and making him one of, you know, the most productive player that he can be. And, of course, Jay Crowder is, you know, he's he's a pretty good defender. But uh, – Yeah, know, he, ain't, Andre, he ain't been the same since Boston, though. But I think, I, think, I think if there's one team, like Miami and Boston and Toronto are all kind of similar teams where they just seem to – get the most out of everybody. So Indeed. maybe Miami can, you know, kind of rejuvenate them a little bit. I mean, when I saw this deal happen, man, I was so excited for, for Andre Iguodala to be on Miami. Like, you know, I mentioned him on the Bucks on the last podcast, but Miami is like a very close second, man. Yeah. He's just that, – that, it's a great place for him. It really is. Yeah. And, he, and he even signed an extension right away, so – Indeed. He obviously feels that, you know, somewhere that he's comfortable being and, you know, maybe can – wouldn't be comfortable there. with South Beach, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, I, think, I think for Miami, you know, it, it definitely solidifies their, their team heading into the second half of the season and getting ready for a playoff run. Uh, Andre Iguodala is obviously a huge piece to that. Uh, we'll see what, what Drake, Jay Crowder does – uh, performing in the playoffs, but I think all of the Eastern Conference teams should be a little worried about Miami, man. Like they're looking really, really solid, <laughs> looking really good. <laughs> Seriously, man. Yeah, no, they uh, they definitely, you know, they did what they needed to do, and at the same time, they kept themselves open for free agency twenty twenty one. So Indeed. I think that, that 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 was a big that was a big thing that they wanted to do. So. They kind of accomplished, you know, going all in. They're kind of going all in, but also uh, leaving themselves some flexibility as well. Yeah, you know, they uh, they were going to bring in Danilo Gallinari, but they didn't want to give up their 2021 flexibility. So 
uh, it was it was it was kind of good to see that, like you said, they're kind of hitting both marks of competing right now and going in all right now, but making sure that they're still open for that 2021 free agency. Exactly. Yeah. So the next trade kind of hurts my heart a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I kind of jinxed my guy Andre Drummond. He got traded to the Cavaliers, man, and he got traded for someone for like literally. For a moment, I forgot Brandon Knight was in the league. <laughs> Cleveland got Andre Drummond for Doritos, Spice, you know, maybe not even not even cool ranch Doritos. They got nacho cheese. Like John Henson, Brandon Knight, and then a 2023 second round pick from either Cleveland or Golden State, whichever one is best. But Andre Drummond, I feel like he he went from Detroit, which was a horrible situation for him. We already expressed that. And he goes to Cleveland, which is the horrible situation for him. I'm just like, no, like, don't go to Cleveland. Like, that's the only place, like, out of all the teams in the league, that's the only team I mentioned. Like, I don't want him to go there. And that's where he goes. It's just the same, man. And, it, like, and it just it just came out of nowhere too. Like, out of nowhere. Like, like there was no there was no news about it. And then he just showed up. And I'm just like, Cleveland is like one of those teams that could kind of pull this off. And I'm like, I really don't want to see him in Cleveland. But you know, Detroit made it clear that they kind of wanted to get off of his contract. And they wanted to go, you know, they wanted to go in a new direction with Sekou and also Christian Wood. But man, I just feel so bad for Andre Drummond, man. He's yeah, and I, I kind of I kind of understand uh, Cleveland, or sorry, I kind of understand uh, Detroit's thinking there. But at the same time, it just feels like you could have got a little, at least a little bit more than that. Like, come on, a lot more. Come on, it's, <laughs> come on man. It's they got crazy. nothing. They got nothing. That was literally that was a pull the plug trade. I think sure. I think what really hurt them was uh, when Clint got traded to Atlanta. I think that kind of closed the door on on Drummond's biggest suitor. So yeah. maybe at that point they were kind of just like, nah, it's whatever. So and as far as the Cleveland side, I don't I don't necessarily know why they traded for Drummond, but I mean I guess it's something you know. <laughs> I don't. It's it's just really hard to understand this trade on both sides. Seriously. Cleveland is kind of in no man's land right now. I mean, they have Kevin Love there. Kevin Love and Andre Drummond is probably like the most awkward front court. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't think you it's know, that. They're, they're going to get a lot of rebounds. You know, like if, if, if Kevin Love spreads the floor, like I'm certain that they – Is it is it much maybe. different than Kevin Love and like Tristan Thompson? Though? I don't think it's awkward. It's not. It's, just, it's, it's not. Just, it's just uh, – I don't think it's an awkward fit. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like both that different. No, I'm not saying it's an awkward fit. It's just awkward that it happened. I, I just don't understand what their vision is. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I, think, I, I, think one, I think one aspect, aspect of it is, for one, nobody's going to sign in Cleveland. Like, there's nobody. So, <laughs> if you can find, like, I mean, Drummond's not like a franchise changing superstar but you know it's probably better than anybody they could sign in the free agent market uh, so i can see it from that standpoint and you know i guess they're 
they'll probably I don't know how long love will be there, but I don't know. And like a lot, I just a lot hope of their oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just hope like Kobe Altman wasn't thinking like, oh, this is a trade that might pacify Kevin Love. Like, oh, this I don't is, think he was thinking that. I don't think he's. Yeah, like this is this definitely isn't any. You know, <laughs> Kevin Love doesn't feel any differently about Cleveland after this trade. Nah, I think I think Kobe's like probably trying to. I think he's probably like hoping for it, waiting for the right trade to come along for Love. But um, I was saying like most of their young prospects are like guards and wings, so you get like, I mean, Drummond's not young, but he's still like. How old is Drummond? I don't know. But he's not like he's not like old either. He's pretty he's young. Like, I think Drummond's twenty six. I can yes. I can look that out for a second. So he's like entering his prime years. So you have like somebody, you know, a big man that can like help grow with the uh the young guards and wings that they have. And so, I don't know. I, I can see it from that standpoint, but at the same time, it's just like uh, Yeah, I was right. He's twenty six. He's twenty six, okay. Yeah, it's just it's just a weird trade on both sides, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean like in all honesty, the rebounding definitely is great at this point. Both Andre Drummond and Kevin Love are great rebounders. But it's just, it's just like, what are you – I just don't – I really just don't see it. I don't understand – I just don't understand why you make this deal for both sides. Well, I understand it more from Cleveland. You know, they open up some flexibility – you know, they got Andre Drummond's uh, contract out of there. Obviously, Christian Wood is – You mean Detroit. You know, so I think they, they want to see what he can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. But <sighs> Cleveland, uh, you know, I just don't get it. Like, they're kind of – they're kind of stuck now almost. You know, like, I don't see them moving – I don't see them moving either Kevin Love or Andre Drummond in the near future. And I mean, like they could get lucky and do it, but I just don't see it happening. And you, you have these, these unproven guards. I mean, like Colin Sexton is okay. You know, he's, he's a scorer, but he doesn't have the best floor vision. Darius Garland is kind of like the same type of guard. He's a scoring guard. He's a combo guard. Where, where, where's Cleveland going? That, that's I mean, that's what, but on the flip side, like who are they going to sign anyway? So, I mean, you might as well just try something. That, I that, get it. <laughs> I understand that that standpoint, but it's they're still going to be bad. They're still going to get a high draft pick. So, hey, bring yeah. Drummond in. They didn't have to give up really much anything for him. So, you know, it's kind yeah. of a low risk, potentially high reward, but probably not. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, Cleveland, like I said before, Cleveland is a fucking shit show. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. Like, <laughs> you know, the the <laughs> different things that are coming out with John Beeline, like, it's, it's really bad there. Yeah. Really bad. yeah. So one of, the, one of the trades that I was, like, over the moon about, so hyped, like, I was just like, I can't believe – like Jerry Jerry West is incredible. You got Marcus Morris, man. Marcus Morris to the Clippers, man. So <laughs> seriously, like the Clippers, they traded. Well, it was it was three parts of this trade because Jerome Robinson ended up on the Washington Wizards, but the Clippers got Marcus Morris Sr. and Isaiah Thomas, who they waived. And the Knicks got Maurice Parkless, twenty twenty first round pick from the Clippers. 
2021 first round swap rights, which is top four protected uh, from the Clippers, and then Detroit's 2021 second round pick from the Clippers and rights to Isof uh, Sana. Ooh, Isof, my boy. So. My boy. I mean, the Knicks, <laughs> the Knicks are the Knicks. Not really going to get into that. They got like a vat of things. You know, they got some assets that they can move in later deals. But Marcus Morris is such a huge addition. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's not undersell it. This is actually like one of the few moves that the Knicks made that was actually like very good. It made sense. No, it was it was actually very good. They basically signed a guy that they signed him for whatever, and they were able to flip him into a first-round pick, a swap. And another pick. I think, and they got Mo Harkless, which has some value. So I think this is actually a legitimately good move for the Knicks. Like, it's not going to make them like a title contender tomorrow, no. But it's actually like one of the rare, rare times they actually made a very good move. No, I agree. I agree. I don't think the Knicks did, did bad on this, which we normally think that they do bad on trades. You know, this was this is definitely a good thing for them. It's just that when you look at Los Angeles and you think about the addition of Marcus Morris, that was so huge for them. It kind of overshadows everything else in the trade, at least in my opinion. It's like, Marcus Morris is, he's a dog, man. Like, he's, <laughs> he's a dog. Offensively, defensively, you got another two-way player to add to that roster. Come on, man. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm – I'm not going to say it. it was a very good move for the Clippers, but I, I'm, I'm probably a little less as, excited. Are you about, not as bullish? Are you I'm not? not as, as, I don't think it makes them like unbeatable or anything, but it definitely, it definitely helps them. I think obviously like they're in competition with the Lakers. So getting of course, him, you, like that's immediately what you think about, right? Marcus Morris is another guy that can, you can throw on LeBron. And I mean, like, obviously in the playoffs, you're going to be guarding, you're going to utilize Kawhi and PG more so to guard LeBron. And Marcus Morris is just another one of those guys that Doc Rivers, when he's fiddling with the rotations and trying to rest Kawhi and PG, there's just another guy that you can play on LeBron. The only thing is, is they, they still didn't go to answer the question in which I don't think you really can answer the question of Anthony Davis. There was really no one that they can go and get that could be an answer to him on right. the defensive end of the floor. But but it does help there. I've always like frequently mentioned that I thought their front court depth was probably their their weakness, but it yeah. definitely goes to shore up that shore up that weakness. And I think just for that alone, I mean the trade was definitely worth it. Um, and you know they. I think I think it's it's a very good move for them. It will definitely help them in the playoffs. You know, Marcus Morris is having a career year, and it definitely it was a move that they had to make. Pretty much, it's a move that they had to make. Indeed, indeed, I agree. And I mean, like you know, Washington. Uh, you know, they they got Jerome Robinson, who I think is you know an okay prospect. You know, there's not really much to say there. I would love to. You know, I, I definitely look forward to see what. New York does with Mo Harkless. He should be in the rotation. Yeah, you know, I, I still, I, I think that he still has some uncovered layers on his game. 
Uncovered layers. Uncovered layers, not necessarily in a big way, but I feel that there's still something that he might have to show. You know, yeah. he... And the positive for him is, I think he's actually from New York, so he's going home too. So I'm sure yeah. he appreciated that uh, from the Clippers. Indeed. So, I mean, you know, it's a great thing for the Clippers. The uh, the Knicks actually made a deal that made sense, which is great for them. <laughs> and they got so, my boy, Soof. Do yourself a favor. I don't know. For some reason, I just like this guy. I don't think he'll ever – I don't know if he'll ever be anything in the NBA, but just watching his highlights, he just looked like a fun player. So, I don't know if he'll ever actually play in the NBA, but, you know, never know what can happen. All right, man. So, you know, it's, it's your time. It's your time to take the floor here. Uh, Philly made a trade. They made a trade. They got, they got some, some depth on the bench. Uh, so Golden State received Dallas's 2020 second round pick, Denver's 2021 second round pick, and Toronto's 2022 second round pick. So basically, you know, Hinky still 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 showing up here, and <laughs> the Sixers got back Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. What are your, what are your thoughts on that trade? Uh, this is uh, this is definitely a very good trade for Philly getting two rotation guys without having to give up anybody. Well, ultimately, they did have to give up some people because they had too many players on the roster. But not having to trade anybody for these two guys was definitely um, definitely a, a good move. Talked about Alec Burks. He was who a lot of people were, you know, targeting for the Sixers to get at the deadline. And, you know, he definitely adds, you know, some shot creation and scoring off the bench. Then you have Glenn Robinson the third, who adds, I think he's shooting 40%. From three this year, he has a little bit more athleticism and defense on the wing. And he can definitely, you know, we kinda I kinda talked about last time that the Sixers were only they, they weren't gonna be able be able to make a big splashy move at the deadline. They just kinda mm-hmm. had to fill in or find some guys to fill in the, the gaps. And they definitely did that with this trade. So I'm def- I'm definitely happy with uh, with how it turned out. And also the the three they gave up three three first rounders for Second. for Alec. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. That would have been bad. Uh, they gave up three second rounders for uh, Alec Burks and uh, Glenn Robinson. But at the same time, they still uh, were able to hold on to their most valuable second rounders. So they kind of gave up, you know, the second rounders that didn't mean as much to them at the same time. So I think it was a, it was a very good trade by Elton Brand. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like Elton Brand has definitely impressed me so far with his acumen, uh, you know, in the GM spot. Uh, I think overall he's made, he's made deals that have both been risky, uh, you know, showing that he's willing to go for it all, but he's, he's also shown that, you know, he has some, you know, some, some real basis behind the, the moves that he's making. And this is one of the, the, the moves that goes to, to prove that point. Um, you know, he, he obviously wanted to solidify the bench and he wanted to get some wings to do that. You know, I'm not happy that you guys gave up that uh, James, James Ennis, but Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III are definitely great pieces to add. I mean, James Ennis, my boy, superstar Ennis, but I mean, you know, at the same time, it just, yeah, it's what it came down. I mean, you're adding two wings, so one wing had to go. You couldn't let go of Matisse. Yeah. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna let go of Furcon because he's the best shooter. Mm-hmm. So you know it had to be. You know it probably had to be James. Yeah, man. And I feel like 
I feel like, you know, we talked about Burks a lot, but I feel like Burks is a very sneaky ad, like, for the bench. He can really – he can really go out – like, I, I can see him in the playoffs just going out and winning a game for you guys in a series just because of his playoff of the bench. Like, yeah, well, I mean, he, he can really – he can score at a high rate. He can get to the line. And Glenn Robinson the third, you know, he he does exactly what you need, you know, at the wings at the wing position. So, you know, I, I agree. I think this was a, a great move for Philly. You know, they didn't give up much and they did what they needed to do. And then of course with Golden State, they went on this as well because, you know, now they have a shot at, you know, either moving these picks for, for something better or getting some some prospects that continue to add to their bench with the salaries that they're paying out uh, yeah, on, and, on of their starters. And they've shown they can draft some talent in the second round. So you never know. You never know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we, uh, we didn't think Dwayne Dedman <laughs> was <laughs> going to get moved. But the Hawks went out and got their guy. <laughs> they went out and got their guy. So – you know, Atlanta, they got Dwayne Dedman, Houston's 2020 second round pick, and Miami's 2021 second round pick. And Sacramento got Alex Len and Jabari Parker. And I feel like not necessarily Alex Len, but Jabari Parker has been like an enigma in the league. He had that great season with, with Milwaukee. I want to say great. Definitely a highly touted prospect coming out. <laughs> You know, but what, I'm sorry. What did you say? No, I, just, I wouldn't say he had a great season, but he had he had a he, had, he had a small breakout season. What do you average? 19 points? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, guy. it's just he had those injuries to his career, and I mean, I mean, you know, Dwayne Demon went it out. Sacramento got back some pieces for him. They got back some front court pieces, and this might this might be good for Sacramento. Jabari Parker could be a decent scorer off the bench. It seems like Atlanta, the, you know, the Atlanta Hawks really just they like Dwayne Dedman. You know, obviously he was there, you know, last year, and he went it out as Sacramento, so they decided to go get him. Yeah, I think. Well, for number one, I think this was another good move. I, I just really like what Atlanta did at the deadline. I mean, they got a couple picks. They got Dwayne Dedman, who's had who had success. That's how he got his contract, really, was from his play in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think between him and Clint Capella, I think well, obviously the center position was like something that Atlanta was struggling with, like the past few years. You know, since they drafted uh, Trey Young. So with uh, those two, you kind of have your 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 starter and your backup in place for a few years, you know, while the team continues to get better. Uh, you picked up some extra draft picks and you kind of let go of guys who weren't going to be part of the picture long term. So I think it was a, a great move from Atlanta on that in that in that respect. I mean, obviously, uh, Dwayne Dedman carries along, you know, some salary cap hits in future years, but I don't think he prevents them from. I think they can still find a way to get Max cap space in the next couple of years. So mm-hmm. I think they still have enough flexibility there. So I think it was a, a very good trade, you know, for them. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I feel that 
Dwayne Dedman, like you said, it kind of solidifies the, the front court in Atlanta. They they obviously like Dwayne Dedman. And with Kelt Capella in place, you know, I really feel like Atlanta's timeline, you know, we thought they were going to be pretty good this year, but I feel like that's kind of moved to next year. And I still think that they're going to be a player. No, I, said, I said they were lottery. I called them lottery. <laughs> yeah, I, I still – well, didn't you have them, you know, kind of sneaking into the playoffs in your original prediction? No, uh, no. I said I said I thought about putting them there, but I just said they were too young. I, I said oh, okay. I was too young. So I was, and they, but they, they did have the John Collins injury and all that. But I, don't, I still think they're, don't think they're lottery. Yeah. So, I mean, some kind of, you know – supplementary trades or uh, additional trades that happened that were kind of tail offs of other trades. Houston Rockets, they got Bruno Caboclo. Oh, hold on. Go to go back. I think also another point for the Kings in that trade is Mm -hmm. I think they cleared enough. They cleared some more cap space this summer so they could possibly sign a Bogdan to an extension and, you know, figure it out from there. So I think. Can I just say how mad I am at the Kings for not trading Bogdan Bogdanovich? Can I just (laughs) What are you doing? Like, if you're not – like, you have Harrison Barnes on the roster. If you're not going to move Harrison Barnes, or at least play him at the four, why do you have Buddy Hill and Bogdan on the same roster? Like, I maybe, just don't understand maybe, it. Maybe they didn't, they didn't get the offer that they like. Maybe that's, that's all it was. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. My bad. You can go ahead, though. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Bruno Caboclo, 2023, second-round pick swap, top 32 protection to the Houston Rockets. And then Memphis received Jordan Bell. Not really much to say about that. This nah, week. The only thing I would say about that one is I, I just, you know, Bruno Caboclo, he's the famous two years away from being two years away guy. <laughs> and it, it'll just be interesting to see if Houston can make anything of him. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's the only thing I can say about that. And then, you know, Philly, they sent – or I'm sorry, they got – a second round pick for James Ennis. They waived Trey Burke and also I believe they waived Jonah Bolden. Yes, I know you weren't yeah. happy about that. Oh, uh, yeah. I wish they, uh, I mean, it probably doesn't make much uh, difference at the end of the day, but I wish they traded, or sorry, I wish they waived Kyle Quinn instead yeah, of Jonah that Bolden. That made more just, sense. Yeah. That certainly made just more cause, sense. Because, you know, Jonah Bolden's younger. He has, you know, a better awesome. chance of growing as a player, but you know, I mean, at the same time, Kyle Quinn's a vet. I still think Kyle Quinn's a good player, so and he could provide value uh, in the playoffs potentially, especially if mm-hmm. one of Al or Joel gets hurt. But you know, it's kind of minutia. Yeah, and then you know, Denver they traded Shabazz Napier for Jordan McRae, which is you know, it is what it is. Jordan McRae is a is a decent score. I'm not sure if he gets any time. Shabazz is definitely going to get some time in Washington with Ish Smith being their really only, you know, only point guard there. Yeah. And, you know, the, the other trade, and I actually think that this could show to be something. So Atlanta got Scal Abissier and $2 million for a 2024 second-round pick. That they I actually gave. forgot about that trade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like, Scala Bissier is he's been kind of floated around a, a few different teams at this point, but I feel like he's not that bad of a front court player. Like he, I, he was I feel actually, like he's good. he was actually playing well for Portland this year. I think 
before he got hurt. Yeah. He's, he, he's shown some signs. I think Atlanta was smart to, you know, at least, like, take a flyer on him. I mean, even if it doesn't turn out to nothing, I mean, they didn't really give up anything. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they're kind of – like, Atlanta's one of the few teams that actually had cap space during the trade deadline, and they used that wisely to, uh, to make moves like this. Indeed. Indeed. It's kind of similar so, I mean, to what Hickey did, actually. Overall, you know, the trade deadline was, you know, a tad bit more exciting than I thought it was going to be in terms of, you know, just all of the player movement. There weren't any necessarily huge names being moved outside of Clint Capella and maybe Marcus Morris to a lesser scale, Andre Drummond. But there was definitely a lot more movement than I thought there was going to be. And, you know, I think the next thing that I want to bring up of course, is All-Star Weekend. I have so much to say. <laughs> so much to say. So, so you know, of course, All-Star Weekend, you know, I feel like this year was definitely one of the more entertaining All-Star Weekends. This was – oh, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. But this was definitely one of the best All-Star Weekends that we've had in a long time. <laughs> put, this, was, this was like the best All-Star Weekend that we've had in a long time. Indeed, man. Indeed. I mean, you know, the spirit, rookie spirit, the spirit of Kobe was over it. Indeed, man. I, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I'll, I'll actually touch on that a little later when we talk about the, the All-Star game. But, you know, I, I feel like the rookie sophomore game was pretty entertaining. You know, we had some some players. Of course, Shea snapped out. Uh, <laughs> Luka Doncic hit that half-court shot. You know, Trey Young loved that. Yeah, it was, it was good to see uh, Trey and Luka, like, having a good time on the court together because sure, the media tries sure. to pit them against each other all the time. So just to see them having that, having those moments was pretty fun to watch. Indeed. And then Miles Bridges, you know, he, he threw one off the backboard. He, he channeled his inner Tracy McGrady. That was actually yeah, a nice Tracy dunk. Tracy McGrady, Friday. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was, it was. Yeah, Zion, he, like, shifted the whole court. Zion and, and John Moran, they kind of, uh, you know, rekindled their, their AAU chemistry. I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, that they, they had, like, a few lives to each other. And, you know, Zion was dunking left and right. I'll tell you the one thing I was disappointed with, though, was, you know, pretty much every year, at least recently, like, the last couple minutes of the rookie sophomore game turns into a dunk contest. <laughs> and this year, they were just missing every dunk. Like, nobody could finish their dunks. I was, just, I was pretty disappointed in that. Except, like, yeah. Brandon Clark was making his, like, corner reverses and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I mean, like, they had to just play an entire game. But, yeah, I wish they would have thrown a few down. Especially John Morant. You know, he, he had a behind the back. That one would have been nice. And then also uh, Zion did that between the legs, like 360, windmill. He tried one off the backboard between the legs, too. Yeah. You could tell he was tired, though. That was actually his first back-to-back was that game. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, I mean, you know, the the celebrity game was fun. (laughs) Stephen A got the first tech in celebrity game history. (laughs) Like, leave it it to Stephen A to get get a tech, right? He's just competing. That's all. Just competing. Indeed. Indeed. But, you know, I definitely want to talk about, you know, Saturday, which was, you know, a, a great, great, great event, uh, great events all around. You know, the big men showed out with this, uh, the skills skills challenge. Bam Adebayo and Demonis Sabonis made the finals. Yeah. And Bam Adebayo ended up taking taking the trophy. 
And I was hating on that skill. I, I mean, I still kind of hate on the skills challenge. I, I, I kind of think something else could probably replace that, but. Like a one-on-one they, they, competition? How uh, was that? Like a one-on-one competition, cool. Yeah, something, but uh, it was actually pretty entertaining this year. They, they, there's like a lot of close, like every, pretty much every round was pretty close. So it kind of made it more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I agree. And, you know, the, uh, the, the three-point contest. Where the, where the NBA stole my idea, let's, let's, just to make that clear. <laughs> right. You, you can you go back bring and listen up, to too. the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're definitely listening, bro. I agree with you. But you know, it was uh man, I, Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill really he turned up on that very last rack. Like yeah. I didn't know if he was going to do it. He was he was kind of behind Devin Booker put up I think with Devin Booker he put up 26. 26. Yeah. 26. He had both of the Mountain Dew balls. And, man, Buddy Hill, he just he just showed up, man. That last rack, he had to hit, like, what did he hit, four or five? He hit four out of five, yeah. I yeah, think he made like, the first three, then he missed the fourth one. Then he, uh, wait, when he shot that last one, I knew it was going in. Yeah. Like, it was just like, he was on a, he was on fire. Yeah, man. And <laughs> it's like, it was, it was great to see. I mean, obviously, the three-point contest is extremely entertaining. You get to see these guys do do their thing. I think I was a little disappointed in uh, Davis Bertans, and uh, I mean he made the finals though. And uh, Trey Young, um, you know, it was. I, I I guess I don't know. I think I, I went, think. Okay, I, I was gonna say I think Trey would have done better if he didn't go first. I think that yeah. first is always it's always toughest to go first, and especially when it's your first time in the competition. I think that I think he could he probably would have did better if yeah. uh, if he didn't go first. But at the same time, I'm not mad at who advanced to the final. No, round. no, no. I'm definitely happy that that Buddy Hill won. But how can you how can you be uh, disappointed in the Bertons when he made the final round? I think he. I don't know, man. I just lost like, by four four points. Like Bertons is gonna win. Like it's. Just, hey, man, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm like I'm like a semi fan of of Davis Bertons <laughs> because he. He was on San Antonio. He was never really, you know, very – he didn't have a lot of spotlight on him. And then this year, he kind of just showed up. Like, I mean, he still... started snapping out. And I just wanted to see it happen again in a three-point contest. The scores, like, the scores are just crazy. I think he I think he scored 23 in the final round, if I'm not mistaken, which is a pretty good score. But when you got people just, you know, shooting, making crazy amounts of buckets, it's tough. And one thing, one thing I find interesting, I always like to see like where the shooters put their their money money ball rack or whatever. I think Davis was like the only one to have his like on the wing, and he he was cashing them out too though. He like whenever he got to that money rack, it was cash. But yeah, it was it was it was it was a fun competition. It was a fun competition. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, Buddy Hill definitely deserved it, man. He's uh he's definitely one of the the top shooters in the league and he was actually one of my dark horses to win it all. You know, he wasn't necessarily one of the most heralded three-point shooters, but you know, I thought he had a great chance to win because his his release is kind of effortless. He doesn't jump very high. Uh, he doesn't use a lot of legs, so his legs don't get tired and you know, I mean, he did his thing, man. He showed out. 
But one, one, one thing I was just highly disappointed with, man, <laughs> I just feel so bad. The dunk contest, man. Aaron Gordon. Hold on, hold on. Let's 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 back up a bit. First okay. of all, let's acknowledge that the dunk contest was was great. It that was, was a, that was a great event. It like, was there great were, for sure. There were, I think there were maybe, I say there was one bad dunk. You could talk me into two. You could tell me. You could talk talk me into saying that both of Dwight's dunks were bad. But I mean, I kind of the second one wasn't that bad. I mean, it was average. The first one wasn't bad either. He just, you know, he didn't execute it fully. But for everybody to, everybody made their dunks. There were a lot of 50s given out that were worthy mm-hmm. 50s. And people were doing really good dunks. Even Pat Connaughton stepped <laughs> up and did his thing. He didn't, he didn't, he, he, he held his weight. Like he, he made the first round and he did what he was supposed to do. He made the first round entertaining. And, you know, I, that's, that's what I really appreciated about this dunk contest. You know, even before you get into the fact that there was a dunk off and all that, that was definitely yeah. one of the better contests that we've had. Probably. I agree. I mean, obviously the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, that was obviously probably like the obviously another great one. But yeah, that was a, that was a great contest. But now you can continue with your point. No, I agree. I agree, and I feel that. I mean, in addition to my point that I'm going to make, and I actually said after, uh, but. Aaron Gordon, man, he just got snubbed. Like, I feel like Aaron Gordon, he routinely, like, in the, the last two dunk contests, you brought up the dunk contest that he had with Levine. He kind of had a drop-off in the one in between, but the one that he had with Levine, he brought out the the freshest dunks that, have, that were in the contest. Like, no one had done those dunks yet. And... <laughs> Like, you're, you're giving 50s out to Zach Levine and Derrick Jones Jr. kind of out of default. I mean, like, how can you not give a 50 to Levine for doing a windmill from the free throw line? But then Derrick Jones Jr. kind of pulled out the same exact dunk. And it's just like, Aaron Gordon actually impresses me, like, He's doing these dunks, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that was that was sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, and I just feel like he should he should get rewarded for that. And it's like, especially this dunk contest, like, less so with Zach Levine because Zach Levine is an incredible dunker, and he did some incredible things in that dunk contest, and that one was a bit more controversial. But with this dunk contest, I feel like Aaron Gordon no, this, won. I feel like this one was more controversial than that one. I feel I, like Aaron Gordon won this dunk contest. I'm in the – I mean, I'll go ahead and say he, he probably was robbed on this one. I'm actually in the minority. I don't think he was necessarily robbed in a Zach Levine one just because I agree with your point that Aaron Gordon has probably consistently showed the most creativity with his dunks in the dunk contest. Mm-hmm. But I think with the Zach Levine one – it's just that I mean Zach Levine was doing fifty dunks too. Like it no, would be different. Like just, I said, that's why I said that this one was more like. That's I why guess. I said like like the the what did I say? The the the, the Zach Levine was more controversial, and it, it and what I mean by that is it was a bit closer, right? No, this so, one was more controversial. I think it was more clear that Aaron should have won. Whereas he last won. last time, with the Zach Levine one. 
Like, theoretically, if there was no limit on a score you could get on a dunk, then Aaron Gordon probably would have won. But you have to have a limit on a score. And, you know, they were both doing 50 dunks until Zach finally did one better at the end. But uh, this one, it was just like, it was kind of going the same way. And then the taco fall dunk, well, well, first, you know, Derek Jones did his dunk, the windmill from a step inside the free throw line. Would they give him a 47, 48, 47 or something like 48. that? 48. And I think Aaron Gordon comes out and dunks over Taco Fall. And, you know, it wasn't the cleanest dunk, but I think they should have just given him the win just off the fact that. He you know, jumped they're, over they're, someone seven fives. Well, not just that, <laughs> not just that, but they're in the dunk off. Like he obviously doesn't have any dunks left that he had planned. And for him to just come up with that off the cuff, he sees tacos in the crowd, tell him to come out. He's going to jump over him. Then he actually executes it. Like, he should have just gotten points just for that alone, just to, for the creativity and the, and the quick thinking and the execution. But, I mean, obviously, I think Dwayne, I think Dwayne Wade probably rigged that to, to go to, to, to the Miami Heat player. That's what I think would really happen. But that's neither I, here I thought there. about that as well. <laughs> but, uh, I thought about that as well. It's yeah, just it, like, it, was, it was crazy. But I will say – I think the I think the best dunk of the night belonged to Derrick Jones though. Do you? Yeah, I think the I think the best dunk of the night belonged to Derrick Jones. Well, so you don't he, think you don't think the windmill, uh, the windmill off the backboard was the, the, the best three sixty? Yeah, yeah. The three sixty? Uh no, because I think the, I think Aaron Gordon did that dunk better in that actually in that Zach Levine dunk contest where when the mascot was spinning. And he, yeah. caught, he caught it while the mascot was spinning and did that same dunk. Like, that was ridiculous. On the first try. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Like, the it timing was. and all that. Yeah, like, come on. Like, I think he did that better before. Whereas Derek Jones, where the guy threw it off the backboard, Derek Jones caught it, went through the legs, over the guy who passed it off the backboard. That, that was just – that was – like, that's just ridiculous. Like, the timing and – and everything you got to do to get that right on the first try, too. Like that, and, and we've never seen, like, anything like that in a dunk contest before. So I mean, I I'll say that Derrick Jones Jr. definitely has the most bounce. Like, he jumps ridiculously. But, man, Aaron Gordon. No, Aaron, Aaron Gordon, think, he's the most creative for was, sure. I don't know if it was, like, you know, some, some residual feeling from the, the Zach Levine dunk contest. Like, I can't, I can't take that one away from Zach Levine. Like, I feel like, like you said, like, if there was no cap on the score, then Aaron Gordon would have won. But Zach Levine that, that, showed that. out. Like, he, he, he deserved that as well. But this one is just like, man. I, th- I think I th- I was, they should have just did the co-champion for this one, but I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was. I mean, it was exciting though. It was exciting. Like it was. And if we can go back to even like, I want to talk about the Pat Connaughton dunk that he did over. Yon- well, first, I like the presentation. Like the white man can't jump. That was fun. <laughs> on the first yeah, that dunk, was cool. that was fun. And then yeah. he did the second dunk over Giannis, where everybody thought he did the same thing. But then he looked again, and he actually touched the backboard before he dunked it. Like that was that was crazy. Yeah. And even Dwight, I think Dwight, you know, he, he obviously was probably the worst dunker out there or the worst performer out there. But, you know, he, he did it. He, he kind of held his weight a little bit. But, I mean, Aaron Jones – or, sorry, Aaron Gordon and Derek Jones are just, like, on another level. 
Yeah, man. It's kind of sad that, you know, they have to, they have to get, they have to somehow get, like you, you, you said this point earlier, you know, getting, you know, more dunkers into the dunk contest and then getting, getting some of the stars into the dunk contest. And I don't know why stars don't do it anymore, but they just have to find a way to do it. Because that that just adds that adds to the excitement for sure. It's kind of it's kind of crazy too because I think if this dunk contest went the way it went and Aaron Gordon won, I feel like there would have been so much more excitement around it that more people probably would have joined. And it still might, but I think that more people probably would have been excited to do it. But now that Aaron Gordon got, I feel like especially a lot of NBA players feel like Aaron Gordon got robbed. So it's like. You know, why should I even go out there? Which is kind of unfortunate. Which I, I hope that's not the case. But you know, I would definitely like to see see uh, Zion do it. But it's kind of sad that we won't have Aaron anymore because Aaron is definitely one of probably the most creative dunk contest dunker that we've had the past. Dude, probably I in the past that, decade, maybe. That dunk that he did, where he like sat down in a chair in the air. <laughs> Like, that was, like, the craziest dunk I've seen. Like, since Vince Carter, like, that that was so impressive, man. Like, like he, he was literally doing 2K dunks. Seriously. Like, he, like, like, literally, like, these are dunks that are motion captured for 2K by a professional dunker. Like, the one he did where he, uh, he jumped over the ball and he caught it and he, like, spun backwards and, like, dunked it. I can't. It's hard to describe, but no, I know what like, you're talking about. That's the Jordan Kilgannon dunk that he exactly he calls it the Scorpion or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. these are these are like dunks that are literally like you only see in 2K. <laughs> exactly, and it's like he's he's performing these dunks. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. But you know, jumping you know jumping to the the All Star game, you know you you said you said that the spirit of Kobe was over the competition. And it really was, man. Like, you know, first of all, the new structure of the All-Star game definitely did what it was supposed to do. The All-Star game was incredibly uh, competitive. But the final score, 157 to 155, of course, it was decided by two points. Number two was the, the number that Gianna wore. And then one five seven, one five five, that adds up twenty four. The winning bucket was a free throw, which was the very first bucket for Kobe and the very last bucket for Kobe in his career. Uh, I, I I hate facts like this. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just gotta say because it it's it's so it's so crazy that that took place. Like it's so oh, crazy man. that that happened. <laughs> that everything works out that way. But overall, the fourth quarter of the All Star Game was insane. Like, yo, Cass was really going for it. Like they wanted to win this game, man. It was really. It was a great, it was a great, great game. Great fourth quarter. It was set up perfectly. You know, even though they had, you know, the different quarters separated out, it actually worked because 
players wanted to win specific quarters. Giannis came out the second quarter like a, a man on fire. Like, he really wanted it. You know what I mean? It's just like, I loved yeah. it, man. I really loved it. And, it you know, I, feel, I even feel like the, the, the Kobe Bryant Award went to the right guy, you know, with, with Kawhi and having that connection to Kobe. That obviously meant a lot to him. And, um, yeah, yeah man, close. I just – I thought I thought it was well done. It was well put together, and yeah, I loved it. I loved every every minute. It was a, it was a great night. I actually, we had Kyle Lowry that. taking charges in the All Star yeah. game. But that's what he do. That's what he do. That's what so he I wanna does. Go, I want to go back to uh, like that that the whole the whole event. Not even just the game. The whole event was great. They did a tribute to Kobe. They had uh, Jennifer Hudson sing, and mm-hmm. she did a very. She sang some Donny Hathaway. Which that was another idea that the NBA stole from me, but she sang some Donny Hathaway <laughs> and she did a very good job. They had common. They kind of did like a acted out like a scene or something. Had like a little little boy up there pretending he was from Chicago or probably a little boy from Chicago, like pretending he was playing basketball. And they did this whole scene. Then Common dropped a rhyme for all the introductions. He rhymed Atentacupo with something and I think refusal, but uh, it, it was just like, it sounds corny, but it was like really, really cool how they set it up. It and was. And once you get to the game, you know, the first, the first quarter, like kind of started out like a regular all-star game, you know, not, not a lot of defense being played and whatnot. And team, I think team LeBron, they won the first quarter by a good margin. And then the second quarter starts and Giannis is like, nah, you're not letting this happen. And I think he scored like 14 points, like, very quickly and from that point on like the competitive the competitiveness was there like you kind of like you didn't see a whole lot of usually in an all-star game you get like some point where there's like crazy like alley-oops and crazy dunks so I mean we kind of got one alley-oop to Chris Paul which is unexpected I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know Chris Paul could get up like that but uh you didn't see like a whole lot of moments where you know the players were just free to like just mess around. Like yeah. they were, they were really competing pretty much from the second quarter on. And then obviously, especially when it got to the fourth quarter, I think Team Giannis started up being being up or started out being up by nine points at the start of the fourth quarter. And you know they were fighting, they were fighting, man. Like Giannis, Giannis. I mean, he 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 was locking Bron up. You know, I'm just gonna say he was like, <laughs> Bron, uh, Bron tried to hit that fadeaway on him. Giannis blocked his shot. Then later on, he tried to – Giannis, like, I don't know how he made that block. <laughs> that was a crazy block. That was like, – You're talking about the uh, the layup where LeBron basically put it on the glass and Giannis just got there. Yeah, that was, like, one of the craziest blocks I've ever seen, to be honest. Like, it was so close. But I've never seen, like, a block be that close – be that close to a goaltender, but it was actually a block. And it was just, like, they were – I mean, like you said, Kyle Lowry was taking charges – he took a charge on James Harden or what could have been a game winning three. And, you know, they were just they were just really putting their all out there. They wanted to win. They wanted to win every quarter. So the lineups, the closing lineups for pretty much the whole fourth quarter, like Team LeBron had his starters in, except he had uh CP three in instead of Luca. And then Team Giannis had their starters in, except they had uh Lowry in instead of Trey. Which I think they, I think they should have put Jimmy in. That was, I was just, that was the one thing I want. They, they should have just put Jimmy in instead of uh, Pascal. I think, I think they could have won. Definitely. That. But you know, Definitely. besides, I, I can't be mad at the outcome. Or actually, I would have preferred if it didn't end on a free throw. But you know, it is what it is. But 
it was, they it definitely should have played Jimmy though. Like, yeah. how do you have Jimmy out on on your bench and you not play him in the closing? Like, you're right. He they definitely should have played Jimmy. Yeah, just the fact of having uh, Pascal and Bead and uh, Giannis all on the court at the same time, it's hard for that to work. You know, over a long period of time. So, yeah. but you know, it was a good game at the end of the day. It was a very good, it was game. A good game. Oh, I can't forget. You know, Embiid hitting the, the dream shake on LeBron. <laughs> can't forget that. A lot, a lot of good plays from the game. Yeah. It was it was it was very entertaining entertaining, and you know, I just I loved watching it, man. You know, a, a lot of times like the the All Star game is kind of like, you know, it it didn't really mean anything. You know, guys are out there kind of doing whatever, but it was great to see them compete at that level. You know, you have the best players in the league on the floor competing at a high level. Like that's that's what we want yeah. as fans. So And I'm I'm uh as far as the format goes, I'm hesitant to say it, it definitely worked this year, but there was just also so much other thing so many other things going on, you know. They had the, the twos and the twenty fours and they back, like there was Ivan and Kobe and all this stuff and first game in Chicago since nineteen eighty eight. So I just want to see it work again next year. I'm hoping it works again next year, but I think it has a I think it has a strong chance to, uh, just by having that that final score be up there that you have to reach. I think I think that does do something to increase the competitiveness and also having to win each quarter. I think I think it definitely played a factor. And you know, I, I was against the format before, but you know, seeing how it played out, you know, I guess now I'm all with it. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. You know, of course, we have the the second half of the season coming up. You know, we're we're looking forward to the playoffs. The playoffs, I feel, are going to be so entertaining this year. We have a lot more to talk about. You know, we had a short break, but I'm very glad that that you know NBA is back tonight. Actually, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, you know, I really, I, I'm I'm really happy to have the league the league where it is in the balance. And, and I just think that we have some really great games ahead. So, yeah, I mean, the next time you hear from us, we'll be talking about some, some storylines that are happening. Yeah, so we have some storylines that, you know, were underrated that, you know, we're going to bring up and, and talk about a little bit more. But we look forward to the second half of the season. You know, we definitely look forward to continue to, you know, understand what's going on with the NBA, talk about the storylines and everything. And uh, we look forward to engaging with you guys. Yes, sir. We'll definitely keep engaging and, and, and keep listening to your ideas. And we're definitely excited to get back and talk with you guys next week. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we'll see you guys for the 14th episode. Be sure to tune in and uh, can and out. What the? Sit alone in my four corner room staring at hammers. Ready to go bananas. Two vests on me. Two texts, extra clips on me. I know my mind ain't playing tricks on me. I ain't skits, homie. Ain't nobody drop a mick on me. It's like they try and plot a sit on me. I hear this voice in the back of my mind like Matt tightening up your circle before they hurt you. Read their body language.